0: Head over to TheInforium.com slash Nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to the College Info Geek podcast, the internet's best resource for students looking to get ahead and study more effectively, but a terrible resource for learning how to make a clay sculpture
1: of Elvis Presley playing the saxophone. Did he ever play the saxophone or is that? I I honestly have no idea. I guess he didn't famously (laughs) play it, right? He could have played it in private. I don't know if he ever played it. Maybe he was
0: terrible at it. Maybe. Um, but if you listen to this podcast, you are going to be terrible at making the clay sculpture. Actually, right. let's give our listeners more credit. They may have some latent potential for doing that, but this podcast will not unlock it. I don't have any potential for doing that. I'll tell you that much. Unless it does serve the power of pure motivation. Anyway, my name is Thomas Frank, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Martin Bamey. What yes, up, dude? Yes, indeed. I'm just chilling. We got our first uh, listener-submitted catchphrase for the opening Oh yeah? Yep. I didn't make that one up. Nice. So thank you to Roy for sending that in. And uh, there was a question here in his email. And you know what? I figured we could just answer his question very quickly here. Oh, just a little, a little bonus question? Just a little bonus thing All before right, we get we into got? the topic of the I'm episode. I'm blindsided by this. Give me some. But to tease the topic of the episode before we get into the bonus content for people who, you know, just automatically download the episode in their, their Apple podcast without reading the title. I respect the loyalty there. Uh, We're going to be talking about networking events and career fairs and other events of that sort. Yeah, are they worth it? Professionally talky things. Professionally talky things. Yeah, professionally talky things. I like it. Something like that. But Roy asked. He said he's. But he said, "What is your vision for College Info Geek? Uh, where did you see yourself and the blog in the future when you
1: first started it?" So
0: I think this is mostly a question for me.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for it to be like, well, my vision is that someday Martin's out. That's my vision long-term for the company. Martin's gone, and uh, I'm skydiving all the time. That's what you're going to say. Any second now. I'm going to be fired right now. Well, actually, I had a completely different vision. Uh, see. Oh, see well, that's I, that's actually good though. That's good. I didn't want to be fired on this episode.
0: Yeah. You aren't going to be fired in this episode, but you are going to have to learn taxidermy because my vision for College Info Geek is I die trying to fly a biplane upside down through a barn. Mm-hmm. I'm going to want you to taxidermy my body and turn it into like a bronze statue and like put it in the foyer of our gigantic building because we're going to be expanding the company. I will
1: be the recently deceased, but inspirational founder Can I give you catchphrases if you hit a button on the face of the statue? Yes, absolutely. That's going to be awesome. I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) That's a good idea. Okay. Um,
0: So the vision for College Info Geek, I guess now, is help as many people become as capable as possible. And honestly, I feel like College Info Geek is an inadequate name for what we're trying to do at this point. Yeah. Like the last probably 20 episodes of the podcast have had nothing to do with academics or student life, and have had everything to do with just improving your skills as a person. I'm, I don't remember the last 20 episodes off the top of my head, but I know we've talked about photography and fitness and cooking and things like that. So that's really what I wanna do is help people become more capable. When I started, honestly, College Info Geek was just a resume project. It, I mean, it was, it was like I wanted to share what I was doing as a student, but I didn't harbor any visions of it becoming a career And the furthest that I thought it would go uh, was to be a really cool-looking project that I would be able to show recruiters in the future. That's what it was. And to answer the second part of Roy's question here, where where I saw myself when I started this blog, I saw myself sitting in the basement of a giant corporation running their computer systems, which I think you may have also seen yourself doing, given that you did a networking Degree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wanted to do like uh servery stuff or web development. I'm actually still a fan of server management. Well, the funny thing is you did servery stuff.
0: Yeah. Like you actually had a career before you did this. So yeah, at least one of us actually did it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for that catchphrase. And if anyone else wants to submit a fun catchphrase, if it is funny, then I would be happy to uh, start out an episode of the podcast with it. You can Email me, Thomas at thomasatcollegeinfogeek.com with your catchphrases, or DM either of us on Instagram. I'm Tom Frankly, and you're yo, Martholomew, which is long for Martin. Yep. Though Martin is not short for Martholomew. It's not. Do I get a long name? I don't know. Thomas To um, That doesn't sound good. Nope. <laughs> uh, we'll think of something. So I do have one other small piece of business before we get into the career fair stuff, and it's like a bittersweet piece of business. Uh-oh. I think I'm going back to Evernote.
1: I don't find that's yeah, I don't find it's that It's not that, that bittersweet. bittersweet. I don't care that so much. So it's bittersweet in my head because for people
0: <clears throat> who have been following my note-taking saga on this podcast and on Twitter, I was using Bear Notes for a while, which is a Mac-only note-taking app that is beautiful and works amazingly, but it doesn't have a Windows or web version So there were several times over the past few weeks where I've been sitting at my desktop computer and I get an idea in my head and like, I gotta take note of that and then I can't. Mm. Or I have to pull up my phone and I have to type it with my thumbs. And I'm like, okay, the benefits this app gives me are not worth the fact that I can't access it on one of my frequently used devices. Yeah. The other thing that I was struggling with, and I'm still struggling with this, is I can't give up Evernote because it does certain things that Bear will never do for me. Like it's a great place for me to just stash copied and pasted travel emails. So I have their confirmation numbers and I have all their details and stuff like that. So I was thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to continue. And it's getting hot here, so I'm gonna take this off. Um, and for the people on the audio feed, that might've sound sounded. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> it's a, a hoodie. Yeah, it's just a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, I was struggling with the fact that I was gonna have to keep using Evernote while also using Bear. and we're also using Notion because that offers us many benefits. And we also have several task management systems. And it just, it's frustrating that as like the business grows, we seem to have more and more organizational tools that we have
1: to use. Well, the pro- one of the problems is like, even if we wanted to, I'm sure we could find a way to simplify them and, and like pare down. But the thing is, we'd have to like put everything on pause and think, how yeah. do we drastically reimagine the information systems? but Mm -hmm. but you know, there's work to do. There's other work to do. Yeah. There's
0: this constant treadmill of content we have to put out and projects. So we can't just be
1: like, hey guys, we're going to not publish anything for a month while we, I don't know, figure out our lives. It's like how I was saying, like, it's hard to find time to like restart. Like if you want a fresh start as an adult, it's harder to do than in in school. You just wait till the summer break or winter break, or you wait till a break. But as an adult, you're just like, well, I guess I'd have to waste my vacation time if I wanted to do a drastic reinvention of myself. and. All you
0: do is you wait until like, you're 40 and then you, know, you buy a sports car. You know, go get lost car. in the
1: mountains for a week. You, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You could just buy a sports car and that could solve the whole problem.
0: Mm-hmm. It solves every problem. Let me tell you, I know so many guys who just like became 40 and they're like, oh, what do I do with my life? Buy a sports car. All problems solved. That's fair. It's so fulfilling. It's some, like it's literally the cool. meaning of life. I do like some is to buy yourself a vet. <laughs> um, going back to the Evernote thing though, there is the sweet portion of the bittersweet. Uh, and that is that I discovered something I did not know you could do. And I don't know if they recently added this or if I just never knew you could do it. But you know how Evernote has a tagging system? Yeah. I used to be like, that's not that useful.
1: You can do subtags. Oh, so I'm not sure if I knew about that. I haven't, I haven't used Evernote seriously for anything but recipes in a while. So I guess, yeah. was that a feature? I don't know. I don't know if it was a
0: feature or not, but um, I used to think the tagging system was not that useful because it would just make this like gigantic long list of tags that have to scroll through. But I realized that if I can do subtags, then I can basically replace the notebook system entirely and just use the tag system like a notebook system. Because the, the reason I liked Bear, number one, it's got the markdown writing, which Evernote doesn't have that. That's something I can get over. But Bear had that tagging system where you could do sub tags and sub sub tags. So I could have like a videos folder, but then have a sub tag for every individual video. So that way within the sub tags, I could have like research for this video, title ideas, the sponsorship, you know, copy that I'm mm. writing. I can do that in Evernote now. So I kind of feel like, whether it's because they added this and I didn't know about it or I just never knew about it, I have found that killer feature within Evernote. Okay. So that's a PSA for anybody who's, you know, wanted to abandon Evernote. I'm still not stoked about the fact that there, it's like eight bucks a month instead of like a more reasonable $15 a year, which is what Bear is, but it's across every device, you know? And I, I still can't make one note work for my purposes. It just doesn't work the way my brain works. So yeah, I'm back in Evernote and... Uh, I'll keep people posted on you know, the ongoing saga and see if that's where I stay. But I think it's where I'm going to stay because I want to keep my systems simple and have as few of them as possible. Yeah, It just gets ridiculous. Uh, the other thing I'll mention is Evernote just released a templating system, which is something that I did really want for a hmm. long time. So in the past, I've had a notebook called Templates where I would have to go there and manually copy my template stuff and then paste it in. They just made this a feature, so you'll be able to do like to like uh basically create a template note. That's cool, and you could do some cool stuff out of that. Anywho, let's get into the topic of career fairs, networking events, and the like. Are these things worth it? Nah, nah, just never go nah. to anything ever. <laughs> Stay at home. they'll find you. Oh, okay. So the reason I ask, are they worth it? Uh, And the reason that I'm doing this episode actually is my friends, Matt and Andrew did an episode on the Money Lab podcast, uh, probably a few days ago as we record this about the topic of events. Now they did it from the perspective of being in like an online entrepreneur. And obviously that's very different than say a student going to a career fair or somebody who's literally not even started their career yet going to a networking event. But they were asking that question, like, are these events even worth going to? And uh, I went over to Matt's this weekend and we kinda had a discussion about it because I feel like they are kind of on the side that at least for entrepreneurs, or maybe entrepreneurs at their stage, events aren't worth it. Cause you pay a bunch of money and you travel to them and I don't know, you're like taking time, you could be spending working and they feel like you don't get a whole lot of it. I'm on the other side where like, I feel that so many catalysts in my career have come from events that I almost always say they're worth it, at least as a general idea. Okay. But let's start with career fairs, because I think this is going to be like the first quote unquote networking event that students find themselves going to. And I think that a career fair is unequivocally something that is worth going to.
1: Yeah, especially at that stage, it kind of implies you're at the stage where it's mm-hmm. useful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like networking events in general,
0: like go to as many as you can if you're a student, but especially career fairs, this is quite possibly how you're going to get your first job or internship. So um, I'm definitely on the side of these are worth it. And to get a little bit more granular there, when I was a freshman in college, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but my friends in my dorm thought that it was a waste of time to go to the career fair as a freshman because most of them were not planning on getting an internship until after their sophomore year. So they all thought, I'll just go to the career fair, spring semester, sophomore year, I'll apply for internships then, and we'll be good. Why should I go during my freshman year? But I think it's worth going to every single career fair you have the opportunity to go to, even if you're like in high school and you somehow can get into them, because number one, these are practice. So you're gonna get practice talking with recruiters, Um, pitching yourself, talking about your career goals, all that kind of stuff. But also, the same recruiters often come to career fair after career fair. So they may end up seeing you multiple times. And if you've been the freshman who was there fall and spring and then spring or fall of your sophomore year, then that career fair that counts where you're looking for an internship, there's going to be recruiters there who might have seen you three or four times already. Yeah. And they're like, oh, hey, there's that really ambitious kid who's been here like Times, they're on my short list automatically because they have follow through. They've shown up. Um, so I guess tip number one: go to these as many times as you possibly can. Now, what I want to ask you is,
1: how do you prepare for these things? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, you can prepare in a lot of ways. Uh, physically, I think that like push-ups. Yeah, you got to do a lot of push-ups. If you're not strong enough, they don't let you in.
0: Oh, oh! is that what it is? That's the rule. You have no, to like uh, lift a really
1: heavy door to get yourself in. Like you're going to want to have like any any array of things from resumes, which I think that you should maybe have some default good resumes with you for companies you didn't expect you were going to talk to. Mm-hmm. But if you know you're going to talk to people, like have some personalized ones. Mm-hmm. If they're going to be taking resumes, have some that actually show off what's relevant to them. Yeah. Uh, I had business cards that I thought were pretty cool. And I think that that's unique. And anything that's unique will help you stand out from other students. What did you put on your business cards? My personal website, my personal project, uh, personal how, how project? the language oh, okay. blog, because I was doing something at the time. But mm-hmm. at, the, at the very least, I have my personal website. And did you have like a name or like a label for yourself? Like a branded label? Yeah, like student developer or student blogger or something like that. I don't think I put anything like that. Okay. I just kind of Yeah, I had I think my project spoke for itself. I also think I may have had something in that implied foreign language stuff on there. Okay. It's it's been a while since that specific iteration of my business card. I don't even know if I can find one. Yeah. Honestly, but I had it focused on the fact that I did technology and language. I don't know that I named it as like a technology and language guru guy like a fancy title. Please you tell know? me you had Guru. On yeah, I, you got to have a Guru on there. <laughs> you unlock Dende's powers. And then, um, so I just really liked my business cards because it made me feel like I was extra prepared okay. compared to other students. And in addition to like resumes and all that stuff, I actually brought, so if you have a career that needs a portfolio, a small sample at least would mm-hmm. be nice to bring. And in, in my case, uh, I was a web developer and that's what I wanted to do. So I actually brought, it was either, I brought a Nexus 7 tablet one year and an iPad mini another year mm-hmm. so that I could, I had the I- websites I had built drawn up.
0: I did that too. So that I could just
1: show them. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's a live portfolio. I also brought an iPad to like every interview I did for that same reason. Yeah, it, it seems useful if you're doing that kind of a project that you can show off mm-hmm. uh, digitally. Though pro tip, I would take screenshots of anything
0: just in case you get yeah, there. I and had, have like I a had no, backup screenshots no just because the
1: wifi wasn't great. Yeah. Um so yeah, we got a business cards, that. we have a portfolio, some yeah, sort of some way s- to
0: show your portfolio.
1: Yeah, a couple some resumes, of co- some resumes for various companies. Um, obviously, you need to have clothes that are good. And I would say that uh, everybody worries about suits. But if you're going to have a suit that doesn't fit you well, it would be better for you to be well- wearing well-fitting business casual. Yeah. You do, do not wear like a big parachute suit if you could instead just wear a button down real nice mm-hmm. with uh, like a tie or something. You'd, and I don't know the equivalents for, uh, you know, women's clothing. I'm not, I'm barely good at men's clothing, so I, I don't know. I think it's a Reptar costume. It, it must women. be a Reptar costume. Yeah. But the, the point still stands. If you can't get really good formal stuff that you feel comfortable in, because you need to be comfortable and confident yeah. that day. You can't be walking around feeling like, oh, I look so weird in this outfit. I'm so, I'm so shy now. You need to feel really confident and it needs to look good. And mm-hmm. if it can't be ultra formal, then just tone it down. Who cares?
0: Uh, On the note of how to dress, there was somebody in the College of Boogie discord who told me a story about their own career fair, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Okay. So he said that everyone went to his career fair dressed in suits or business casual like you do, but he went in just jeans and a t-shirt. Okay. And he said that the recruiters actually gave him more attention because he kind of stood out. Like, I guess it was like that peacocking principle. So he was like, how does that
1: kind of fit in with your whole recommendation to dress well, d- professionally? Did they look good?
0: I don't know. Did,
1: was it like, a, you can have a t-shirt that like fits really nice. Did it still look relatively good? Was he more qualified? Was, so he, I think, was he more I think, confident? I think
0: he even may have mentioned something like they they gave him attention and mentioned that he stood out because he looked like he wasn't trying hard okay. to dress all nice. Uh. And I guess my thought on that was, like, we have friends from college who have recruited at career fairs now. Like, specifically, I know our friend Nick has done it. Yeah, Uh, And he's not a professional recruiter or HR person. He's actually a developer or does something in IT at his company. But some companies often will send people from, like, actual departments that do things, you know. I don't want to say HR people don't do things, but like actual like practical development or like IT they're or they're being
1: pulled away from their they're, yeah they're their being main pulled away job.
0: to go talk to people who may end up being hired for the jobs they do because they know better than an HR person what what their job you're requirements looking for are. right yeah so I know Nick pretty well and I know that Nick would probably find it hilarious if somebody came to the career fair dressed as Goku or something like that. That's probably true. Like he would probably, like that specific person that I'm thinking of would probably- But you gotta pull it off though. One, you gotta pull it off. And two, I'm thinking of one particular person and I'm like, all right, he's my friend. I know he would find this funny. I don't know if the other like 200 recruiters at the career fair would find that funny or maybe they would, but they wouldn't translate that to, I'm going to give that person preference over these other people who are clearly taking this seriously.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a very uh, career- specific thing. Because, you know, yeah. like all the hip technology entrepreneurs are wearing t-shirts to, the want to be Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. But maybe that's not what you're going for. Right? Yeah. Like if you're trying to be like a doctor or something, then maybe there's some more formal stuff going on mm-hmm. that you're going to want to adhere to. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I, what I told him and what I'll reiterate here is
0: it is a good thing to stand out. But maybe you should look for another dimension in which to stand out that doesn't bring along the risk of looking like you don't care. So for example, uh, for the job that you ended up getting after college, you made what we like to call a love letter site. Yeah. You made like an entire website for the job you wanted where you explained, here's why I like your company. Here's why I think it'd be a great fit for your company. You did all this research. That was a fantastic way to stand out because the manner in which you were standing out communicated that you cared way more than any other applicant. Yeah. Whereas if you would have shown up in a Reptar costume, you would have stood out, but you're standing out in a way that doesn't communicate anything to the recruiters in terms of you being a better candidate. Unless they just want somebody funny in the
1: office. Like it's a complete gamble based on what personality they're looking for at Mm -hmm. that point. And you can't, you don't know that, especially when you're in a room of 200 different companies. Yeah then you're going to want to wear whatever works for the vast majority of the ones you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is just a t-shirt and jeans if that's the only people you're interested in talking to and you're confident. Yeah. However, if you feel un- like if you're not confident and you're looking all disheveled, like you didn't even didn't even care to pay attention to make sure the t-shirt looked okay, then I, I would say that's going to lose you points regardless. Yeah. You can't not care at all. Maybe not caring too much maybe seems cool, mm-hmm. but not caring at all is going to look real bad.
0: And I do have one idea for how you could maybe utilize your appearance as a way to stand out. Um, For Christmas one year, Anna's dad got me a small, uh, non-conspicuous Avengers pin. Yeah. And it is on my, I have like a coat that's also like a blazer, but it also has like an insert so I can like zip up like a coat. So I put it there. Maybe if I were going to a career fair, I would wear like my well-fitting suit and then I would just pin that to the lapel or something. Yeah, Because then it would like, if somebody was in the know, they'd be like, hey, is that an Avengers pin? And then now you have something to talk
1: about. But you don't potentially look like a slob or look like you don't care. Yeah, actually that kind of little subtle stuff is my favorite way to reference anything that I like. Like Mm -hmm. all the stuff, all the stickers on my laptop, uh, be they from Avatar or Pokemon or anything else, they're never like gonna be blatantly Pokemon in huge letters. It's always gonna be something subtle so that... Most people aren't even going to pay much attention, but the people who do notice, it's going to be extra cool because they had to to figure out what you were trying to do there and they're like, oh, wait, I do know that. Yeah. Now you're friends. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like the coolest way to reference anything. Like like, don't make it overt. It's so subtle that it's only for the crowd who likes it and Mm -hmm. anybody else will just. They'll gaze right past it.
0: And if they, in that crowd, when they notice it, they're going to feel even more like in on it. Yeah. So they feel cool. You've
1: invited them to your club. Yes, exactly.
0: And there's like a little bit of exclusivity there. So that's kind of how I would do it. And I don't know, maybe there's other ideas that you could do besides like a pin. Maybe there's like a, I would say a tie, but I think like ties can look really tacky. If you get like a joke tie or something. Yeah. that
1: That's not very subtle, actually. <laughs> no, if you come in with like the- the like slitted sunglasses and then a, like a really <laughs> tacky tie. You're just going to look like that guy on the free money books. Yeah. I don't know if you've
0: ever seen those, but he wears like a really crazy tie with a bunch of dollar signs on it. It doesn't look good. No. Okay. So yeah. Um Business casual to business formal, I would say for a- apparel or attire. Yeah. Um, I liked the tip for bringing resumes and bringing resumes that are somewhat tailored and... I guess going back to my own career fair experiences, most of the companies I talked to did not want a resume. They often said, like, go apply online, but a few did take a resume. They yeah. still say, well, you don't need go like, apply online. You don't need 30. But,
1: yeah. You know, just, just in case, because if they do ask, you don't want to not have it. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got, we have the attire, we have the resumes, we have the
0: portfolios, and we have, uh, what was the other Business cards. Yeah. Um, and the one note that I will give on business cards, I would refrain from giving yourself a title unless you have done something worthy of a title. So don't put like Thomas Frank, student, or like freshman yeah, that's... In, in business or something. That, that would look stupid. Um, but if you you know are legitimately like a freelance developer, like I was, then you could have like student web developer or student and freelance web developer or something like that. Because yeah. then there's like some some sort of service that I can provide that I am proud to call out on my business card. Otherwise, you could just have it be your name and then a link to your web portfolio or something like that.
1: Yeah, you like know? contact stuff. Because mm-hmm. like the title, you don't want to put something in just because you think that type of information is warranted. That information, student, was not worth communicating. Yeah, they that, know you're a student. So it doesn't, it doesn't need to be there, even if it does add more information. It's useless information. Mm-hmm.
0: You could have Thomas Frank, homeless person who snuck into this career fair on well, a business card. They might need to know that. That would stand They're gonna out. They're going to think you're a student. That would stand out. <laughs> Look, I've got great espionage skills. I can dodge laser fields.
1: All car- that I kinds don't, of stuff. If I was a recruiter, I would at least have a conversation <laughs> with that person. I don't know if anything would happen, but I would be amused. <laughs> International spy extraordinaire.
0: I can rappel from giant buildings, lower myself on one of those... Uh, wires, and I know how to dodge laser grids. Yeah. Call me. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Brilliant, which is a math, science, and computer science learning platform that allows you to learn those subjects much more efficiently and effectively than you would normally in a college or high school classroom. And the way that Brilliant does that is by developing courses that utilize the principle of active learning learning. So whether you're taking their course on gravitational physics or math for quantitative finance, calculus, or their computer memory course, or any of the other dozens of courses in their catalog, you are going to be immediately jumping into difficult problems that you have to really dig into, sink your teeth into, and figure out on your own. Now, they do have this very uh, detailed wiki that you can dig into to learn about the concepts in detail when you do inevitably get stuck. but you're able to go into there, learn something new, and then go solve that problem, which results in you learning faster, but also having a higher level of interest during the entire time you're taking their courses. And this is in direct contrast to most lecture style classes where you have to sit there and give your name and talk about your favorite breed of dog or what your favorite video game is, and then listen to an entire week's worth of intro material before you can really start applying what you're learning. Now, I did mention there are dozens of courses in their catalog, including those computer science courses like algorithms and computer memory, but the course that I wanna highlight this week is their course on probability. I think this is a course that basically everyone should take or at least start learning about because much of life, in my opinion, operates on a probabilistic spectrum things are not black and white. And when you can learn to think in probabilities, I think you learn to think more clearly and make better Decisions. So whether you want to start digging into their probability course or any of the other courses in their catalog across math, science, or computer science, uh, you can start learning for free today by going over to brilliant.org slash collegeinfogeek. And if you are one of the first 83 people to go and sign up with that link, you're also gonna get 20% off of your annual premium subscription. Once again, that is brilliant.org collegeinfogeek. I wanna give a big thanks to Brilliant for sponsoring this episode and being a supporter of our show. Also, thanks to our second sponsor on this episode, Hover, which is the best place on the internet to get your hands on a domain name for yourself. And I think this is actually a great sponsor for this episode, because we've been talking about going to career fairs, representing yourself, finding a way to stand out, and as we mentioned before, one of the best ways to do that is to have a personal website and a portfolio to show off your... If you wanna do that, then you obviously need a domain name for yourself so you can point people to that website. Mine in particular is thomasjfrank.com, uh, though I also have tomfrankly.com since my online moniker on Twitter and Instagram is Tom Frankly, so I wanted that. And then you
1: have one as well, right? Yeah, I got uh, martinbay.me which is pretty clever. And I do own a few Martholomew based ones oh, that you? I have not done anything with yet. Okay. I but, pretty... but you don't want somebody else taking your name before you get a chance to take it because then they sit on it for years and then they're like, oh, it's going to cost $2,000 to get this domain yeah, name. Yeah, that's true. I think somebody owns, somebody
0: from like Germany owns thomasfrank.com. I think they're using same thing, it. Same thing with my normal one. But and I think they registered it in like 1998. So I would have been seven Well, years they had old. dibs on that one. They did have dibs on it. So luckily but. I got the one with my middle name. Um, but if I had waited a couple of years, maybe they would have snagged that. I don't know. Anyway, when you are ready to get your domain name, the best place on the internet to do it is at hover.com. They have over 400 domain extensions ranging from the classics like your .coms, your .nets, and your .mes, which is what you used. But they also have lots of other fun ones like .limo and .ninja. And, uh... I now own Thomas Frank. Ninja.
1: I am sure that that will <laughs> pay handsomely someday. Well, I'm doing Ninja Warrior. <gasps> that makes sense. Yeah. Whoa. So. Okay. That's that's a that's a relevant reason to have a exactly. dot ninja. That's fair.
0: I don't yet know
1: what sort of content
0: I'm going to do around Ninja Warrior. So right now I'm just redirecting that to my Instagram because that's where I've been posting like training logs. Huh. But. I know that I wanna do Ninja Warrior and I wanna do some sort of charity thing around it. So there will probably have to be some sort of webpage that explains that and allows people to help me donate to, I'm probably gonna do Pencils of Promise. Uh, so Thomas Ninja is gonna be a nice little thing in the back pocket. That makes sense. So yeah, you can get .ninjas, you can get .limos. Uh, but if you're gonna do a professional site, I would probably stick with like a .com or a .me. Those kind of make more sense. Or at least something that isn't .ninja. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, when you go to Hover, you're going to find an incredibly clean interface, no annoying upsells. They just let you buy your domain. And when you get your domain, it also comes with free Whois privacy, which is awesome because there's this thing that is uh, legally mandated called the Whois database. And if you do not have Whois protection, then your personal information, like your phone number and your address and your name, are listed along with your domain name. And I know like spammers will just kind of crawl through that as domains are registered, and then send you lots of spam emails. So I think who is privacy protection is basically a necessity these days, and luckily you get it free with Hover. Also with Hover, you can create a personalized email for yourself, like mine, thomas at collegeinfogeek.com, which can further enhance your professional presence. And they also have, a feature called Hover Connect which allows you to easily connect your domain to website builders like Squarespace or even online shopping stores and platforms like Shopify. So, if you are ready to get your domain name today, then you should head over to hover.com/cig that is h o v e r.com/cig and if you do, you're going to get 10% off your first domain purchase once again that is hover.com slash cig and i want to give you a big thanks to hover once again for sponsoring our show and being a supporter of college info geek in general let's get back into it what else should we talk about in preparation because i think we should at least mention research
1: yeah uh well one of the the main things i had here for research was uh questions that you may want to ask them Mm. Also questions that might signify you know something about their company and you're asking for further detail. That gives you the, I did my research and I'm curious about what you're doing. Like it's a two for one. So let's give an example of that because I think it's very easy to say like bring questions but
0: the obvious follow-up question is what questions? So let's say like flying hippos at a career fair. I don't know if they ever were but you're going there and they're at the career fair. What do you ask them?
1: Well, I could ask them. I it seems like a, at least a lot of your websites are run on um, maybe WordPress. Is that is that exclusively what you do? And um, there could you could ask things about what kind of server environments they're using. All of these show that you know something about what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That you've at least paid attention. And if this information is on their website, you don't ask them because that would show you didn't research. Mm. But saying it seems most of your stuff at least is WordPress. Are there are there exceptions to that? That means. Yeah. I know what I think most of your stuff is. Yeah. I know enough to ask the question, are there exceptions? And I want to know because it's relevant to me understanding your business. Mm-hmm. It's like, if, if you ask stuff that's blatantly available, like what do you use to build websites? And it's like, it's obvious that most of it's WordPress, then you didn't check at all. That's yeah. not, it's not good. But you want to be able to show that you know something about your field, that you know something about them, and that you care enough about the like job itself that you'd be willing to ask questions. You're not just saying, do you pay?
0: <laughs> do you pay? That's my Please actually... Yes. I, let me, I, I wrote these yes.
1: questions out for you. Do you pay money? And how much? That's... Oh, thank you. Actually, that's all my questions. <laughs> Done. That's not going to do anything because if they know you want money. That's well, I got not, a second question. Like, that's not good information.
0: How generous is a vacation ballsy?
1: Yeah. Like two days a week? You're asking about... Can I get like <laughs> three weeks off, right? Like after my first right day because I, I got a vacation planned. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: another good question to ask would be for new hires, what would be some of the top skills you're looking for? Because then they might say, oh, you know, we're we're really getting into uh, Ruby development or really starting to use a lot more Node.js in our development. So that, that would be a great skill for a new hire to have. And then you can say, cool, I'm going to go learn that. Yeah. And that would demonstrate one that you're like a go-getter and two, that you're willing to go and learn whatever is needed to be uh, useful as an employee. Yeah. Just find ways to ask questions that number one, communicate that you've done your research, but number two, communicate that, or uh, communicate the skills and qualities that you want to show them, such as being hardworking, being an independent learner, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, cool. So I think that's good for preparation. We've talked about what to wear, what to bring, how to prepare. One thing that I want to talk about is the act of practicing at the career fair. So when you go there, there are probably going to be a couple of companies that you are stoked to work for. And you might think the thing you should do is make a beeline for those booths and talk to them immediately. But if you haven't been to a career fair before, it might be a better idea to go and talk with random people at other companies kind of as a form of practice, because it's nerve wracking to talk to recruiters at a career fair, especially when you haven't done it before. Yeah. So go talk to three or four other companies, practice your questions, maybe even do research on some companies that are not like your A-list. And that's just gonna get you a little bit of practice. It's gonna take the edge off, kind of calm the nerves. And who knows, you might even find a company that you didn't know about, but that you might like to work for. Yeah. And if that isn't the case, well, at least you have that practice. Now you can go talk to Disney or I don't know who else is going to be at the career fair.
1: Yeah, the people where you don't want to like, oh, I blew it first try and, exactly. and then you feel bad. And that's part of the reason you want to go even as a freshman, because yeah. if you blow it, it's not. It's like not you didn't really need the internship yet. Mm-hmm. So you can still come back and they'll be like, hey, actually, they, they did a lot better this year. Last year, they were super nervous. But yeah. this year, they seem like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, first impressions
0: are important, but people often pay a lot of attention to the degree of change they see in people. And I think that's because expectations matter so much, so when you when you kind of like violate expectations, but in a positive way, that stands out. I mean violating expectations, I think stands out more than anything because people's expectations are kind of like their model through which they see and interpret the world. so if you do it in a negative way they're they're really going to be. Uh, mad, they're not going to like you. But if you do it in a positive way, then they're going to remember that. Yeah. Um, And if if you don't have companies that you care about during your freshman year, go anyway, do this practice. And maybe you don't see recruiters again and again and again, because it's only your sophomore year that you know who you want to work for, but at least you have all that practice under your belt.
1: Yeah, well, actually, even if you're even if you're not sure at all about anything, going there and talking to them and asking about their jobs, you may accidentally find out. Maybe your first semester, wait, actually, I don't think I like any of the jobs this major does. True. Yeah. Uh, uh I should consider that before it becomes too late to switch majors without a heavy cost in time. Yeah. You want to you want to know these things because the classes aren't what jobs are like. They're just mm-hmm. they're just not. And this is at least a chance for you to verify the career you're in is the correct one. Oh,
0: and that gives me an
1: idea. I never did this during a career fair, but what
0: if you ask the recruiters if they have shadow opportunities during the year? I never did do that. Because I've actually done a shadow before at an insurance oh, yeah? company with a VB developer. Okay. And it was with a group once. Uh, and that wasn't me asking them. That was a trip that the Entrepreneurship Club put together. We went okay. up to Minnesota and did that. But That indicates to me that companies are willing to bring in students and have them shadow actual employees. So, what if you asked, like, hey, do you guys have any opportunities for shadowing an employee to sort of get a perspective of what the job is like that I could take advantage of? Yeah. And even if they didn't, they might be like, this person seems ambitious. Let's do that. Because all we have to do is figure out if there's any like security issues there. And if not, just ask one of our employees if they're willing to take on a shadow for a day.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's low cost for them and it makes you look good. Mm hmm. Yeah, so, And it lets you know if you're interested in that job because you had that true. internship at the financial place and you discovered that you didn't like that at all when that was mm-hmm. gonna be like, what, your career idea to begin with? That's so what you could have just, just jumped right into it. Mm-hmm. So take any chances you get to kind of verify your decisions. Yeah, and I'm very glad I did that internship. I feel like most of the entrepreneurs I know
0: went through a period of at least three years post-college in a career they didn't like. And then they had to build everything as an adult, paying all their bills until they could eventually quit. Yeah. Whereas in my case, I was fortunate enough to get that experience in the internship and have already been building my business for about a year before that. And then I realized like, this isn't what I like. Okay, I can go as hard as possible on the business while I'm still in college, while I'm still living with three roommates and everything is super cheap. Yeah, I think that was very fortunate. Uh, but yeah, I didn't think about the shadow thing. I think it's a very good idea. So definitely do that. Um, so I think that's that's probably good for career fairs. Though the one thing that I want to mention now is the career fair at Iowa State wasn't a singular event. There were always events around it. Yeah, So little clubs for like MIS had a club that yes. preceded it. MIS right? club had a MIS career fair where recruiters who were specifically looking for MIS majors and IT people, they had their own like event that was before the big career fair. So that was an awesome opportunity to go and have less competition to talk with the recruiters, to have all the people who are represented the IT jobs in one place. So that was really cool. And there were also pre-career fair networking breakfasts. Uh, And I ended up doing one of those as well, which was awesome because in that case, I get to sit at a table and talk with a recruiter for like half an hour
1: instead of just five minutes at the career fair. And the pressure is a little less because you're not Mm -hmm. just a person standing in line waiting to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm different than those guys. Yeah, it's kind of funny because that was sort of billed as like an extra thing that you could do in addition
0: to the career fair. But I think it was more useful than the career
1: fair. Those events actually do seem kind of more useful to me. If you can, in in combination, they end up more valuable to me because you're standing out. Mm -hmm. You get the effect of having gone several years in a row immediately because you've gone to two or three events in a row and they saw you at all three. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect transition
0: into general networking events. So... Have you done any general networking events?
1: Uh, I went to the startup thing with you once. Okay. Otherwise, it may be mostly my experiences um, here. Yeah, I don't <laughs> go to like conventions or anything. I still haven't taken a plane, so that would not be convenient to do. That's true. Uh, I'm mildly considering going to PodCon. You should, because also someone's got to I love Seattle. Uh, anyway. And it's in Seattle. But- Uh, Yeah, I haven't gone to a lot of these, but you go to one like every four seconds. Yeah, I do. So uh, (laughs) why do you go to one like every four seconds? Uh, Okay. Have you had enough networking? Isn't your network big enough? No. All right, let me me preface this
0: by saying I don't go to quote unquote networking events to network. And all right, it's kind of hard to describe my intentions here because I'm going to meet people but I'm not going with the intention of building my quote unquote professional network. I'm not going with the specific intention of of gaining something monetary or tangible in my business. I go to events because I wanna meet people who I think are cool. And I think people who do the kind of stuff that I do are cool. So I go to VidCon and I go to Podcast Movement and I've gone to FinCon uh, and I'm going to one tomorrow actually called Vid Summit because I'm gonna meet people who make YouTube videos and who make podcasts, and I think they're cool. So like, my main intention is just build relationships with people I admire from afar. And meeting them in person, there's, there's no better way. There's no better way to get access to those kind of people, and there's no better way to build a relationship quickly because in-person interaction just just wins out.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's the real way to do networking. Mm-hmm. You know, because I don't know why networking seems like some weird cold how many business cards do I have in this little little binder? How many LinkedIn connections do I have? I don't yep. really know any of them, but they they accepted my request. So yeah. now I'm in, right? No. No. Like they that's not like networking is a really cold term for just building human relationships mm-hmm. that happen to be professionally beneficial. Yes. So,
0: If you go to a networking event, do not go with the mindset that you're going to network. You're not using these people. Yeah, don't go there to hand out business cards, have some business cards with you because there may organically come an opportunity to give one out, but go with the intention to just have conversations. That's it, seriously it. Uh, And really cool things can come of that. I think that going with the opportunity or the, the intention of just having conversations it basically takes the pressure off of both people involved. And that will, that will make you connect better. And that will often lead to opportunities that wouldn't have happened if you went in trying to get that opportunity. Yeah. So here's a perfect example. And I think in terms of like business return on investment, this is the best example I have of the power of going to a conference. So I've been going to VidCon for, I think three years now. Um, possibly four. Oh my gosh have I gone
1: four times now uh, is this the part of the podcast where we feel old again Ooh. because we have that like every three podcast episodes we got to be like oh we're old oh my gosh you know what I think I may have gone
0: to VidCon four times now okay oh, have a yeah because I spoke there my third time but I also spoke my fourth time I've been there four times now yep I'm old okay anywho most recent time I went to VidCon um I tweeted at CGP Grey, who is one of my favorite YouTubers. I just, I got wind of the fact that he was going to be at VidCon. He may have tweeted it, but he, nobody knows what he looks like. Not nobody. His wife probably knows, but most
1: of his fans do not know what he looks like. Like he's, he's Daft Punk, basically. He's not is, like- Does Daft, he not have a face on his online presence? His video, I know yeah, nothing. his
0: videos are like a stick figure drawing. And he's- Oh, he they're has, all like- He's gone to okay. fairly decent lengths to not have pictures of him on the internet. Or like his Twitter doesn't have it. Like he he enjoys privacy.
1: That's a decent um, idea. It's he's a too, very too late for
0: us. Different person than me. Like I enjoy plastering my face all over things, but I enjoy plastering our friend Clyde's face on things more. That's, that's true. It's a good point. face. CGP Grey does not like to do that. But I tweeted him, I'm like, hey, love your videos. If you have, you know, five minutes, I would love to chat and meet you. And I think he had seen my work before, just casually. So he said yes. And we ended up just meeting uh, in a backstage, like pre-speakers room, green room kind of thing because we were, at least I was a speaker and I think he had some sort of all access pass because he knows a lot of people. Okay. And uh, we ended up just chatting casually for like an hour and a half. And that actually culminated with the two of us just like sitting at a table doing email, like not talking to each other, but just like sort of co-working. And I remember yeah. at the end of it, he was like, this has been nice. Just like having someone to not have to talk to but that is also working because every other minute at this conference, I feel like I'm expected to talk to people. But at the end of that conversation, he was like, "Uh, I would love to introduce you to the guy who gets ads for my show. Just like, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but I think that you make good content and I would like to introduce you. So he sends a text to his friend, Dave, who gets some ads on the show. Mm. Dave is having a barbecue at this house Uh, near VidCon, so I get invited, I go, and I spend an evening just chatting with him, getting to know some other YouTubers, and that is how we got onto Standard's roster of shows. Yes, I know this, Dave, I recognize this. So, every single ad that has been on this show, and all but maybe one sponsorship that has been on the YouTube channel, literally the reason um, that I am able to have a team the reason that this business is able to support you and me and Anna and everything. The catalyst for that was that one conversation. And then just sitting there, minding your own business, emailing next to him. And and I'm not going to say that like he wanted to introduce me to Dave because of the email thing. I just, I wanted to tell that part of the story because- It's just,
1: you could have spent that time pressuring him to give you things. That's true.
0: Yeah. But it was, it was literally like, I admire your work and I wanna hang out with you. That's all that I wanna do. I do not go to conferences, or at least I don't go into conversations with individual people ever with the intention to get something. If anything, I wanna give something. But usually it's, I just wanna hang out. Like, just would love to talk,
1: you know? And if the
0: opportunity to collaborate or do business comes up, that's awesome. But I'm never going into it with that intention. Um, Except for with Sarah Dietschy. That was that was like one of the one exceptions where I was like hey we'd love to be on your podcast and have you on mine because I'm going to be in New York but with that like I don't know I felt that she wanted podcast guests so that's fair that was like a, a shot for me but usually it's like I just want to meet people um and then, yeah that that's what led to that So that was the catalyst and I don't want to make it seem like there was no other work that I ever did that led to that but that was like the moment where things changed right? and i think that a lot of a lot of things happen that way where there's this this work that you do slowly and gradually over a long period of time but it leads up to some inflection point where things change and i honestly don't know if dave would have ever found my channel had we not had that meeting um and because because most of the channels on standard are like not on camera personalities doing educational stuff i don't know if dave would have like had the thought to sponsor my content. Oh.
1: He might've, but I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Well, you can't predict these little things and that's yeah. what the human connections are for. How do you mm-hmm. know you weren't going to be best friends because you both played the Pokemon trading card game? Yeah. You don't know. That's not in your resume. I do play that Unless though. it's a really cool Maybe resume. Maybe I should put that on my resume. Yeah. Really good at Pokemon trading card game and match the gathering. <laughs> I'd do that. Actually, if I would like. I would do that if it was like a high humor company that would like a bonus fact that's stupid, but I wouldn't. I mean, you had bonus hippo yeah. facts at the yeah. bottom of your and resume, and they loved or them or that because it was site. it was tailored to them specifically. Actually, yeah. one of them was sometimes hippos are Pokemon. That was one Ooh, of the facts. There
0: you go. Yep. Wait, which which hippo is or which Pokemon? POTUS. Oh, okay, so that must be like a second or third gen. It's like uh fourth. Gotcha. But yeah, and that company is called Flying Hippo for context, because I don't think we mentioned the name of the company. But yeah. So Might many thousands of dollars of income are the result of the end of that conversation, which started with the intention of simply meeting and hanging out with somebody. Yeah. Um, and there are other stories I could tell along those lines, but I think that's the one that kind of drives the point home. Like these cool things can come of these interactions. And on a non-monetary front, I have met people at VidCon and and other conferences who have become like dear friends. So podcast movement. I went to in Dallas in 2014, I think, or 2015. Um, Now, I had met Matt Giovannisi and Andrew Fiebert online prior to that. They had been on my podcast, but I didn't know them that well. I went to that conference, and I spent three solid days hanging out with them. And I, I think that that is the reason that we're such good friends today. Because after that conference, we all went home, but we spent a lot more time chatting on Skype, they invited me on their show like four more times after that. I think you were on the show twice. I don't even well. remember that. You honestly, don't remember like these, but yeah, we did the these slightest. we did these like roundtable episodes that you were part of. Weird. That was back when you and I shared the same mic. That was weird. Remember the first time we did an interview together? Yeah, we had to share headphones.
1: That <laughs> so <it> was dumb. <laughs> we talked to Benny Lewis with one mic and one pair of headphones. Yeah, he was probably like, What is what is that's not the proper amount yep. of equipment. Ooh, and Benny Lewis
0: and I are really good friends now. You know why? because we hung out at VidCon. yeah. And now every time I go to New York, I text him and we hang out. It's great.
1: Yeah, well, see these things you you wouldn't know, you can't predict them. It's like, uh, it's like serendipity. Is mm-hmm. that the right word? And serendipity doesn't happen if you stay home. Yes.
0: Yeah. So like serendipitous, like the definition is that it's kind of like a surprise yeah. thing that couldn't be predicted, but you have to take actions that put you in a position for serendipitous things to happen.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to meet Like, if I just, like, chill at home all day, nothing's going to happen. If I go with the cold, close-minded attempts to just exchange business cards and then leave, I'm not giving myself any chances for something cool to happen. It's like throwing paint at a wall.
0: Like, you might get something that looks really cool, but that's never going to happen if you don't throw paint at a wall. Yeah. So throw some paint at a wall. Now, there is one sort of different thing that I do with conferences that it kind of gets away from the whole go just to make friends. I also go to conferences and I try to elevate my visibility at them and I do that by speaking. Now this is something that is a little bit more difficult to do if you're a student and you don't already have like an established personal brand or or something that you're known for, though with small events like community events, things in your local city, this is totally doable. Uh, I go to speak because I almost never get paid, but number one, it gives me the opportunity to share something I'm passionate about with an audience, but two, it puts me on a short list, just like with interviews, right? With recruiters looking at a long list of monster.com applicants and a short list of here are the people that my engineers actually um, recommended to me. Being a speaker means you're one of the names on the website and you're often uh, invited to speaker events and people are just like, hey, you're speaking at this. That's like a conversation starter. So when I can, I try to speak at events because it's a small amount of work on my part. I mean, sometimes it's a big amount of work, but it's something I enjoy
1: doing. And it also just, it brings a lot of benefits with it. Well, you know, in the case of um, if you can't speak, that would actually also work if you're just volunteering to do something with uh, Mm -hmm. like uh, our friend, Will, was doing stuff with AIGA. And I know he got to meet the cool people that came to speak, like Jessica yeah. Hish, like in other settings where they were just like at a big table and eating and, and talking and stuff. Like if you work in the the sort of backstage feature of a lot of these events where the people you want to talk to are coming, you get to talk to them in a yeah. less pressur'y way because you're just, you're just doing what you're supposed to do. That's a really good point. And you don't have to be a speaker to do that. You don't need a platform. You just need to be willing to give a little bit of your time. Mm-hmm. It's basically just putting in more effort,
0: right? Yeah. Because you were probably already going to be at that conference. So maybe you're going to miss out on, you know, networking session with coffee, but you're going to be one of the people like backstage. You're going to be at
1: like the real networking session where they're just talking normal. Yeah. Uh,
0: And like VidCon's a great example. They have applications that go out every single year for volunteers to do all kinds of stuff at the conference. And if you're not speaking, that's like the one way you're going to meet the people who run that conference. Like a lot of those volunteers probably know Hank Green and John Green personally, because Hank and John were organizers. So they were literally briefing volunteers on what were supposed to be done. Yeah. doesn't mean you're going to be best friends with Hank and John Green. But if you're just an attendee, the way you're going to see them is by being a face in the crowd while they're on stage, you know, and that's cool. But you don't get to talk with them. You don't get
1: to potentially build a relationship with them. Yeah. You're, you're just a couple of degrees further away mm-hmm. when you're not involved in like the actual event itself. Yeah. So find a way to,
0: and I like the way you put it, find a way to get yourself a couple of degrees closer to the people you want to meet, whether it's through, you know, working to build a personal brand and then, and then parlaying that to speaking or volunteering or, um, or even signing up for sessions. You know, I've signed up for sessions before that turned out to be like round table discussions instead of, a classroom kind of thing where one person was teaching another one.
1: Now is a session that's like a specific type of a little pocket event. Yeah, the event that you or, or go for? to events that
0: seem smaller and seem uh, less in demand. Okay. So first VidCon I ever went to, there were these gigantic sessions run by all the famous people. Um, but Canon had also sort of booked out an entire small room that entire weekend to do uh, like tech demos and stuff. And the guy who ran the Epic Rap Battles of History channel was doing a tech demo for Canon during one of those hmm. days, and I went there. And because like it was such a smaller room and it was like well uh, way less marketed than most of the regular big sessions, there were like two rows of chairs, and I got to sit in the first row and I got to talk with the guy who does Epic Rap Battles of History and then like get a picture with him and talk with him for fifteen minutes afterwards that was awesome. And that was my first year. So I wasn't speaking. I wasn't volunteering. I was I was just another face in the crowd. But by going to a less popular session,
1: I was one of maybe 20 faces in the crowd instead of 400. Yeah. It's the same logic that, that makes it so that, uh, I think it was Tim Ferriss talking about how you want to talk to like one of the like top tier, but not number one in a field because mm. you can reach the second best far easier than you can reach the first one. Yeah. So this point. is the like a small event. It's just, you have a lot more ability Mm -hmm. to interact with it in a good way.
0: And actually, one of our writers, uh, Dominic, wrote an entire article about that strategy, which I think he called Silver Metal Mentors on our site. yeah, I think I did see that. Yep. So we'll have that linked in the show notes. Cool. Uh, But I think that's that's probably a pretty good place
1: to stop. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's. I got nothing else for conferences other than the uh, ideas that I've already gotten to talk about here. One last question. How do you find them? How do you find them? Yeah. Anything in general? Well, uh, you find a lot more than me. I'm only aware of PodCon because of Ashley. I wouldn't even have known it was in Seattle, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for them, so. But the way,
0: or the one that you just mentioned, that's an example of really the only tip I have for people, which is follow other people who are passionate about the things that you're passionate about, and they're probably going to let you know about events. Mm-hmm. Whether it's your girlfriend or whether it's people on Twitter. I know about VidSummit because I follow people on Twitter. That's why. And FinCon and Podcast Movement and probably even VidCon. VidCon's
1: huge, but I probably know about it because of Twitter. Well, this seems like one of those multiplying things because the more your network grows from event one, the Mm -hmm. more likely you find out about event two, which grows. And then you find out about event three because Mm -hmm. you keep meeting people at all of them.
0: Oh, and and sometimes when I go to events, I ask people who I meet, what other events do you go to? Uh, That's a good question. And I actually, that may be how I found out about Vid Summit. I don't think I found out about it on Twitter. I think I was asking somebody mm. like, what other video events do you go to? And somebody said, Vid Summit's awesome. It's like VidCon, but remove all the fans and make it a lot more businessy. And I love businessy things. That's so fair. I'm going to that, you know, but I will continue to go to VidCon as well. So I think that's, that's a probably a pretty good place to stop. Uh, just to recap for people, since we do have a outline here, for career fairs, make sure you're preparing well by bringing resumes, possibly tailored resumes, business cards, dressing appropriately, and practicing with companies that you don't necessarily have on the top of your list before talking to those companies. Uh, and go to as many as you can so you become a familiar face at them and you get more practice. For networking events, find them by following people who are passionate about the same things that you are passionate about uh, and ask people at the events you go to to maybe keep you posted about events or ask them what they like to go to if there are recurring events they go to. Um, go with the intention to make friends, not to network, and find a way to elevate your import- your importance or filter yourself down to a smaller group of people that are closer to the people that you want to meet by speaking or volunteering or going to small sessions. Yeah. Boom. All right. Well, this has been episode 233 of our podcast. So if you want to find the show notes, including that link to the Silver Medal Mentors article, which I highly recommend that you give a read, you can go over to cigpodcast.com slash 233. Or if you are on YouTube or Facebook, we're going to have a link to the show notes in the description, which you can click on, and then your browser will open that link because that's what clicking does. It's like magic. It is. It's basically like magic. If you enjoy this podcast, Uh, number one, make sure you are subscribed in Apple podcasts or Google podcasts or whatever app you listen to. So you can get new episodes directly to your device every single Monday when they come out. And if you do happen to have an iPhone or Apple device, like an iPad, maybe, uh, give us a review and rating on Apple podcasts as well. That helps uh, bump the show up the rankings and also gives us valuable feedback on how to improve the show in the future. Last but not least, if you want to find our favorite resources, including our college packing guide and our favorite books for students, you can go over to collegeinfogeek.com resources. That's where you can also find our merch. I like me some merch. Just buy that merch. <laughs> uh, yeah, we still have a lot of Never Stop Learning shirts in stock, and I'm still working on getting tank tops and ladies cuts. Uh, so hopefully those will be in stock in the future, possibly as you're listening to this, because I don't know, people could be listening to this in the future. They could be like the Jetson style future That's true. Possibly like Rosie, the robot is listening to this. I'm I don't all right know if we're going to have like a
1: robot cut shirt though. This is the one, this is the one thing that makes it that far in the future. This podcast, just this one, just this part. This yeah. is the only thing that they can find from this century. Mm-hmm. I don't know why <laughs> it's because we, we put it on vinyl and then yeah. we sealed it into a bank vault. That's like a mile
0: underground. Yep. And we also, a good idea. We should probably leave a record player in there too otherwise they're going to be like is this a frisbee? That's the problem with digital formats, right? Yeah, I know, right? Um I read this whole story, it's pretty fascinating about how they they etched this like metal plate with a bunch of really important information should aliens ever find it and I think it's it's on one of the Voyager probes. But they were like how do we represent this information because if any other species finds it or if it ever comes back to earth and you know, it's thousands of years in the future there's no guarantee that people are going to use the same characters we use to communicate. So there's all these really crazy cool ways they came up to came up with to communicate like the fact that we know what atoms are or the fact that we have a, a, a numbering or a numering <laughs> a numbering system.
1: This sounds like something that I will probably read about.
0: Yeah, it's fun it's fun stuff to read about uh, Also look up the 10,000 year clock.
1: That's a fun project. It's a big clock.
0: Yeah, it's this whole thing, like, can we can we build something that will outlast the human race and still be operable? Mm. So there's all this cool stuff you can read about, like their considerations for how to make sure that it doesn't break down or rust or lose power or doesn't get vandalized or invaded or stuff like that. How to send maintenance people into the future. Yeah. Well, I think it's being built to not need maintenance. Now, just in case. Well, that's, yeah, you time send,
1: traveling maintenance people. You sacrifice one maintenance person who has to live in the future. Every year, and then it's forever maintained. Is it solved. sacrifice? What if the future is awesome? Well, it's just them and the clock. Oh, oh, it's like
0: that far. This future. is their
1: final clock fixing pilgrimage. Just send somebody who really doesn't like other people, but they really like clocks.
0: Yeah, it's a dream come true. Yep, clocks and no people. <laughs> All right, uh, thanks for listening, guys, and I think uh, that's gonna that's gonna do it for this week. Yep. So we will see you in next week's episode. Until then, stay cute.